Welcome to another episode of the Mets and Ag Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Desaf, and here we explore the stories and insights from the military veteran and supporter communities who are leading the way for vets in agribusiness, ag tech, and agripreneurship. We swap stories, talk ag, and show how the grassroots nature of the ag community can be a natural fit for the military veteran. This is the third and final episode in a three-part series sponsored by Farmer Veteran Coalition, or FVC, a national nonprofit organization mobilizing veterans to feed America and transition from military service to careers in agriculture. This series showcases partnerships between FVC and organizations offering programs in agriculture tailored for military veterans. We will interview stakeholders within the organization as well as a military veteran who participated in its programs. This week, our guests are Keith King, founder and CEO at the National Veteran Business Development Council, or NVBDC, and Tyler Evans, U.S. Marine Corps veteran and founder of Brookside Plant Farm. The NVBDC is a national nonprofit focused on certifying veteran-owned businesses for the purposes of connecting them with their corporate members to pursue commercial opportunities. Tyler is currently working in cybersecurity, but plans to leverage his certification through the NVBDC to grow his nursery business in New York in the coming years. You'll hear a lot about the entrepreneurial spirit in this episode, which of course is important when you're starting a business, but the humility through which both Keith and Tyler communicate their own personal uncertainties around starting businesses is as equally important. Stay tuned for more on the NVBDC, how much it costs, whether you qualify, what it's about, etc., but also learn from Tyler as he lays out his path into the nursery business in real time. Enjoy. There were times where I could go and plant or go and, and climb cherry trees and, you know, just go and have fun and, and enjoy the, you know, the food and the fruit that we were growing. And then there's the times where I remember, you know, in the rain doing hoeing and pulling weeds. And to this day, uh, you know, I, I, I have nightmares. <laughs> but what I really do is I, I, I learn firsthand how much work it truly is to run a farm, no matter what, because literally the farm across the street from us was a cattle farm. They raised the, the, the cattle and slaughtered them and all the stuff that was involved in that. But um, I've always had a high regard, and high respect for our farmers. Uh, understand very quickly when you're in a situation, particularly in the military, um, when you're eating food that was canned 20 years before uh, you know, <laughs> you served and you open a can that you're not really sure what it is that you're eating. I don't care what they printed on it. Uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's uh, what we call C rations. Uh, the younger vets like you guys got MRIs. Uh, the closest we ever got to that was what we call alert uh, food, the dehydrated food. Uh, we thought that was good food, but anyways, um, the opportunity that we saw for our veteran-owned farmers is something that we particularly went out of our way to talk to companies that we weren't sure if they would really make any difference or not. We understand the distribution and 
many of the farmers that we've talked to, you know, working with wholesalers and, and co-ops and the different distribution methods that many of the farmers utilize today may not be conducive to what we call direct sales. And the thing is, and, and I have to acknowledge Denny's restaurants. They were the first to say to us that, hey, do you have any idea how many eggs we use every morning? Do you have any idea how many heads of lettuce we use at lunch every day? If you have veteran farmers who can deliver directly to our stores, we want to talk. And thankfully, I had that conversation with a little company you might have heard of called Walmart and Kroger and some of the hotels, the chains. It really became a situation in which we realized very quickly that what we would call an open to buy was over $100 million if we could actually organize this or put it together or clear up that channel. And the truth is, is that we're still working on that. And Tyler represents one of the early certified veteran businesses by the NBVDC. And we're trying to open these channels and see how we can work with our corporate members who have pledged this as part, uh, which we believe they are sincere in wanting to help our veteran businesses. And they know the problems better than I do, but at least we have the willingness of them to talk to us and talk to our veteran farmers and see if we can find that path to open up that opportunity. Tyler, if we could bring, bring you into the conversation here, um, give us a sense of some of your early background, what originally led you into uh, military service. To cut out like the early part, the early story and just pick up right where I started considering the Marine Corps. Um, I was in college for two years uh, and my grades were fine. Like college was going fine, but I, I had one of the, I was like, I was studying political science and I was doing all this homework and I knew I was paying all this money to be there. And I was just like, why, what am I really going to do when I leave? Like, what is it all for? What does it all mean? You know, I had one of those moments, like, why am I really here? <laughs> I think, um, you know, because the guidance counselor kind of, you know, every, everyone told me, like, if you want to be anything in life, you have to go to college. So here I am after two years. And I'm like, what am I really going to do? It kind of hit me. And, um, and I knew I had always been interested in the, in the military. And I knew if I didn't join, I, I knew, like, if I didn't join the Marine Corps, I would always regret it. And I was like, wow, well, this is a good time in my life. You know, I'm young enough. Uh, I can go and have that experience and um, serve our country. And, and so I just dove in and uh, I never looked back. It's one of the best decisions I ever made for sure. Where, where'd you grow up? I grew up in upstate New York. Uh, okay. Yeah, pretty rural, um, pretty rural area. When I was real young, we had a house kind of out in the woods on like 13 acres um my brother and i grew up playing in the woods shooting bb guns shooting 22s and messing around and exploring and 
building forts and playing, you know, cowboys and, you know, playing probably soldiers and whatever out in the, you know, doing what we did, just playing in the woods, um, playing around the property. Uh, moved into um, Oneonta, New York is really where I grew up. And what'd you do in the Marine Corps? Funny story. So it, uh, I'm in college, right? And I'm like, oh, wow, uh, you know what? What I really want to do is fly helicopters in the Marine Corps, right? So I go and talk to the recruiter and I'm like, hey, I heard about this program called the Platoon Leaders Course. I don't know if you're familiar, but basically like, yeah, Platoon Leaders Course. So yeah, so uh, basically like you go, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I understood it as. Like you go to boot camp during your summer vacations, mm-hmm. um, pretty much like you go to officer training by the time you, uh, by the time it's basically like you're, it's like a fast track to your commission in the Marine Corps. Um, so I went and talked to the recruiter about that. And before you know it, I was convinced that I was going to go, I was enlisting and, uh, you know, we'll forget about all that other stuff. Like what I ended up doing was I, en- I enlisted as an open contract, which I didn't realize. I didn't, I had no idea what that was. I actually f- kind of found out that I was an open contract when I was, uh, the night before boot camp. we were spending the night. I think we spent the night in Albany before we went down to, um, Paris Island. And that's when I found out. And I was like, well, it's too late now, you know, whatever that is, that's what I'm going to be. And so, um, I didn't know, I didn't know what my job was in the Marine Corps until, uh, Marine combat training, which was after boot camp. So I was already like, you know, f- uh, five, four or five months into my enlistment when I found out that I was going to be, um, a data Marine. And I was like, what is a data Marine? <laughs> And they're like, oh, you're going to fix emails and stuff. You're going to like, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to do like computers. And I was pretty upset. I was like, that is not why I joined the Marine Corps. I wanted to like fly helicopters and shoot machine guns. You know what I mean? And you, now you want me to like fix emails. I don't know what, how did this happen? You know? And, um, but I, I, uh, you don't really have a choice. So, um, I took it in stride and, uh, it was a t- it was tough training because I did not have a technical background at all. Um, did not grow up messing around with code or computers or any anything like that. I was like I was in sports and hunting, fishing, um, working a lot. You know, I was always outside, and so. Uh, but you know, I made it through the training, um, and I uh, turned out to be a blessing in disguise. You know, looking back. Um, it was a really fruitful, uh, job to have getting out of the Marine Corps. It, it's a job that I love. Now I do, I do, um, cybersecurity and I really am passionate about that. And, you know, it's all, it all came together. <laughs> but this is a, this is a, a vets in ag podcast, right? <laughs> Bring us into how, there's an agricultural connection here. And then I sure. want to turn it over to Keith here and have him sort of bring us back up to where he is and your connections. I got out in 2012. I lived in, um, lived in San Diego for a year. Then I moved to New York city, went back to school, finished my degree. Um, and I was living and working in, in New York city from 2012 until the beginning of COVID. When COVID started, I, uh, said, well, if I'm going to be working from home, I would much rather work from home upstate uh, than to be in my little apartment 
down here in the city. So I came upstate, started working from home. Um, before you know it, I'm looking at property. Next thing you know, I found the, the property of my dreams. Uh, I bought it in February 2021. And uh, I just kind of dove in working out here. I mean, that that's kind of like another thing I should mention growing up. I was just like, a, I was always a worker. I was always out. Like when I was 12 years old, I remember getting my working papers and getting a paper out and I was always just building and working and learning. And I'm just like, you know, that's just the kind of, the kind of guy that I am. As soon as I bought this house, I was like ripping out landscaping and trimming and, um, just kind of going crazy outside, uh, working on the property, cleaning up the trails, um, cleaning up trees and brush and all kinds of stuff. And, and I just dove in trying to make this property like the best it could be you know i want to manage the forest i want to manage the landscape i want what can i do for the deer what can i do like for the turkeys and kind of bring and and just like enhance this this property and that's what kind of led me into um considering uh you know what am i going to plant like what kind of trees are out there what kind of what kind of uh what kind of plants are out there what's and i started learning about all that stuff and then um that's when I got the idea that, you know, I want to do a nursery. I want to try to grow a lot of this stuff. I want to get out there and have fun and learn and get my hands dirty and be able to step back at the end of the day and look at what I built and, and be proud and be happy and watch my, and watch my stuff grow. I mean, it's just, it's so rewarding and it's, uh, it's um, spiritually, mentally, physically uh, rewarding and, um, and healthy for me. So that's like, I also a huge part of it for me too. Yeah. Keith, how is the NVBDC program helping guys like Tyler get to the point where they can run their own businesses and ultimately connect to the corporate partners that are a part of your organization? Well, again, what we tell all of our veterans, what we do is we provide access to our corporations and to the other veteran businesses. And through that, we're providing that opportunity. And the corporations need to be acknowledged and thanked. Um, when we talk about the corporations who committed to add veteran-owned businesses to their supplier diversity program, you have to remember that we didn't exist in that world. I mean, we actually wrote the rationale to include veterans in supplier diversity in the first place. And then they went, yeah, okay, we see that, but we're not gonna hire you because you're not certified. What do we know if you're a veteran or not? And that's really what happened that changed the whole marketplace because once I was able to present the rationale and that was being accepted, then we came in with a certification program in April of 14 that met that standard. And we had like 14 organizations in what we call our beta tests where we presented all of the certification documentation in the process. Well, that launched us in the sense of doing certifications. The other is talk to 
are veteran-owned businesses. He has access to our database as one of our certified vets. And in that database, he can see who's doing landscaping. He can see who's doing construction. He can see all of these different categories of business that may be an easier way for him to begin his sales is through and working with other veteran businesses. We look at these things a little differently. What opportunity, again, I've not had much time to work with Tyler, but again, these are the kind of things that we have our services committee now that is opened up to our certified veterans, how to do business with whoever, okay? And we have monthly, we have training programs, we have our meetings and the other big thing is we invite our veterans to attend our corporate members events. And we have some of our corporate partners are running some very big events on their own and invite our veteran businesses to, to attend that event. And we encourage our vets. I mean, we, we promote them like crazy. Hey, you know, if you can get to wherever it is that that event is going on and you think you have any reason to be there, go. Because we want our veterans not only to be successful, but more importantly, we need them to show up. We have averaged over $2 billion a year in contracts with our certified vets for the last three years, even during the whole COVID period. I think we're being undercounted. You know, I want us to be pushing three, four, five billion. But when you have our corporation say, hey, if you want to do business with me and you're a veteran, you need to go to NVBDC and get certified. Is because they believed us, they believe in us, and the certification process that we've implemented is the one that our corporate members back and support. What specifically is the NVBD certifying about the veteran, and how does that happen, and at what cost to the veteran? First thing I tell them is, is I'm going to prove that you're actually a veteran. Well, what do you mean by that? You're going to sign a form releasing your military records to my organization. Once we've established that, I need to be able to look him in the eye and all of our corporate members and said, this guy actually shows up and runs his company. Okay, it's called in the language, it's called operational control and authority. I tell you that was like, you know, when we're going through the corporate documents, when we're going through the operating agreements, when we're looking through stock options, when we're looking at all of these corporate documents, one, first and foremost, we want to make sure that this is the person that can make a decision and there's nobody inside that company that can override them. Does it cost anything to get certified? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I hate to say this, but. We lose money on virtually all of our certifications. Yeah, my, my treasurer said to me when we went through the business plan, he goes, you're not very good at this, are you? I said, well, there's a market thing going here because under a million dollars in revenue, you only pay $350. A year. A year. And you need to recertify every year. And over, it jumps up to $5 million, $600. And, 
over, uh, you know, all the way up to scale, it jumps all, all the way up. If you're doing 100 million a year, it'll cost you $2,500. And the reason we do that is to be as competitive as we could be in the marketplace with the women, the minorities, and every other organization out there running. But more importantly, in the very early stages, when we first did this, we went to the corporations and said, if we're going to cut our certification fees, we need you to understand that your fee as a corporate member to us is going to help subsidize our veterans. And everybody went, okay, cut the price. So Tyler, I, I, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about where you are right now in the nursery business, how you got and how you got connected to the NVBDC to begin with. I went to the VetCon, New York State VetCon. They had their presentation. I went to the presentation. I was like, well, what do I have to lose? You know, $300. If this gets my foot in the door, which, you know, if $300 turns you off from the opportunities that are offered to you by an organization like the NVBDC, then I'm, I don't, I've, I'm sorry. Maybe, you know, entrepreneurship may not be the path for you if that's not a risk that you're willing to take. Um, and I, so I said, sign me up. And uh, yeah, I was a little, I was a little overwhelmed by the paperwork, but I, you know, that's their, that's how thorough they are. And then that enables them to go to big corporations who have a lot of money at stake and you can't blame them for wanting to support for, for wanting an organization like MVBDC to go that far in depth and to be able to say, you know, they have, that's what they do. They make sure that they present veterans who are veterans, who have a controlling stake, who are involved in the business. Where I'm at right now, I have a lot of potted plants and bare root plants that I am going to be installing permanently on the property here in some big nursery beds that are getting built uh, this spring. This spring is, that's the big project for this year. I need to get these plants in the ground. I need to make sure they're happy. And this has got to be because these are the plants that are going to grow in the future and produce cuttings or other means of propagation, whether it's a root cutting or seeds or uh, um, softwood, hardwood cuttings that I can then propagate those plants out from there. What kind of plants are we talking about? Are these nursery beds above ground or below ground? And how did you select the plants that you're that you're trying to propagate and and putting in the ground now so the these beds are on the ground they're basically what i'm going to do is rototill a strip uh maybe like 75 or 100 yards long with like a with a space in between so i can i need to get my tractor and other equipment through you know i'm still trying to figure out all the, all the logistics how i'm going to lay it out but rototill then i have um soil amendments that I'm going to put down. Uh, biochar is are one of the soil, the soil amendments, put a, put a lot, a, a lot of uh, organic material in there. Um, rototill it again, get the plants in, mulch it all in with wood chips. Uh, the plants that I'm, that I'm growing, a lot of, like I said, plants that can be propagated with cuttings. I have so many different things that I, uh, a lot of, a lot of dogwoods, um, hydrangeas, uh, elderberry, mulberry, um, different kinds of cherries. I'm doing um, some uh, honey locust and black locust. Those are trees 
but they're a very valuable tree for multiple reasons I won't go into, but they can be propagated with root cuttings. So I'd love to get a couple of those in the ground and thriving this year. There are a couple different markets that I've, that I kind of am targeting. One is wildlife plantings. So there are a lot of guys that do uh, food plots. They'll go out there and they'll till and they'll disc and they'll spend all this money on seed and all this stuff every year to set up their food plot. The, the proposition, the opportunity that I have is why don't you plant shrubs and trees in your food plot and you don't have to do it every year. You just fence them in, establish them and you have your tree food plot. You have apples and persimmons and pears and you know, I could go on and on about different what different plants that will attract wildlife there's also the like the uh ornamental or landscaping or people that just want to grow their own what are some of your biggest challenges right now tyler as you uh, begin to make these decisions that will impact the future business i think the biggest challenge for me is what am i doing <laughs> what am i like i don't know anything about like I've never built a business like this before. I have no history in agriculture. I'm like planning out how to set up this nursery in my head in the springtime. You know, I have to lay this all out. It's a ton of work. It's a quite a bit of money. It's a lot of time. And it's my pride. You know, I want this thing to, I want this thing to do well and I want to do it right. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. I want ever, I want to do everything right. I want it to be perfect. I want to like blow it out of the water, you know? And, um, and I just don't know what I'm doing. And that really, that really uh, slowed me down. It used to slow me down a lot more. Um, you know, I was, I remember standing in the middle of my field and I was about to plant the first permanent plants in that field were, were uh, a couple dozen hazelnuts. And I was like, where am I going to put them? Like, once you put them in, like, I don't want to move them again. I don't want to mess around. Like, how do I do this? Like, what's the right, do I build one fence around all of them or do I fence them all in individually? And like, how much mulch do I need? And are they even going to do well here? Is there enough sunlight in this analysis paralysis, right? Standing there for like half an hour, like, oh my God, I don't even, and you just got to go. You do the research, do the best you can, and you just go. And if you make a mistake, you go back and you do it and you do it different next time you know? And, um, so as far as challenges, like that's still the biggest challenge that I have is that I'm just kind of figuring it all out as I go. It's a blast. And I I hope that, um, that anybody who's, you know, maybe on the fence, just go for it. What's the worst that could happen? You know, have fun with it. Well, (laughs) hopefully not, but you know, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to have fun. Get your hands in the dirt. You know, like I said, it's therapeutic, at least for me. There's a perception or an attitude piece to this, right? How do you approach it? Tyler, you can't say this, but but I can. There's a humility also to the place where you are right now in recognizing that uh, you don't know it all and that there are other people who perhaps know more. And those become rather than competition. Um, I'm on my second business right now in the last seven years. I mean, and so the other thing I'm hearing both of you say is that, and I would agree with, is it takes time. And in 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 the uncertainty of that time frame, you've got to prepare beforehand, Keith, whether it's through retirement plans or 401ks, Tyler, it's whether it's through secondary incomes or uh, other jobs to allow you to do that. That doesn't, those 
that uncertainty of time piece of this does not be a prohibitive or should not be a prohibitive factor. It should just be something you work through. Um, and I'm I'm glad to hear both of you say, yeah, that, that's a real thing. And I'm hoping other people who are maybe in that position of, did I make the right decision? This is taking a lot longer than I thought. I'm through my nest egg now. And what do I do? Well, the situation is dependent, right? But just recognize that it, it's not always going to be on your timeline. That's for sure. You know, it, so, just to, to echo what you were saying, Mike, the guys that I know and the successful business owners, every one of them have basically done what we just said. You know, you start, you have a vision, you have a dream, you have this passion to do this, whatever it is you're doing. And sometimes the financials just don't work. You got to change it, tweak it, start something else, do whatever you have to do. But I think as long as you have that passion to, to be an entrepreneur, to understand that you're out creating something and you get joy and satisfaction from that. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, people have said to me, why are you doing me in VVDC? You, you know, I've retired three times. I just am not good at retiring. You know? <laughs> and they go, what? I said, well, my first retirement lasted three days. I'm sorry, man. I was bored out. You know, I, can't, I couldn't do that. You know, anyways, the point is, is that I started the NBVDC. And again, I've been blessed with having phenomenal people around me okay who made me look good and the one thing that they know is is that when i say i need help i'm not you know i'm not one of these men who say oh i don't need any help no right hey i need help i need a lot of help and depending on who's responding they'll tell you, oh he needs a lot more help than you know <laughs> but it's okay i can handle that so again uh i salute your efforts and uh I hope you're successful. And when you're ready to start selling, please make sure you reach back out to us because once I know that you have products available to the market, there are other things here that we can do. And again, opening the database and a lot of stuff that we can do. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Vets and Ag Podcast brought to you by Farmer Veteran Coalition. There's a humility through which Tyler talks about starting Brookside plant farms. He doesn't know it all, something he readily admits, but he's willing to go beyond recognizing this as a shortcoming and move into action as he asks for help, dives into resources, and steps forward in faith, even in the absence of having a complete plan. In my opinion, the ability to do this is tied directly to his military service, and if I'm being honest, a bias towards his Marine Corps service. Keith and Tyler both talk about their incremental steps into entrepreneurship and how some of these lessons learned were easier than others. What really resonates with me, however, and mostly because I've lived this as a founder and an entrepreneur, is the need to prepare for this journey ahead of time. Whether it's a second career or your savings, you have to be ready for the uncertainty of starting a new business. If you've enjoyed this episode and think other military veterans and supporters would benefit from these insights and stories, please leave us a review and share on social media. You can also find previous episodes and learn more about AGD Consulting by visiting our website. I'm your host, Mike Desa, and until next time, stay frosty.